things will be added. The problem with some of us is that when we come to God, we come seeking things instead of seeking him. Amen. So if I'm coming to God, I need to say, Lord, I need you. I want more of you. I just want to spend time in your presence. Those of you who are parents, do you know that there are some children who don't come to you unless they have a need? And you don't enjoy that. So if you receive a call, you know uh, <laughs> something is wrong. This one doesn't usually greet me. She doesn't even find out, Mommy, how are you doing? As parents, we like our children to just come sometimes just to greet, just to fellowship. God also wants to fellowship with us where you come to God not because you have a need, but because you just love to be in his presence. Psalms 42, 1 and 2, Good News Translation. As a deer longs for a stream of cool water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for you, the living God. When can I go and worship in your presence? I want you to look at those last words. Just read that last sentence. When can I go and worship in your presence? Do you see that this one is looking forward? Huh? Some of you are thinking, ah, it's Sunday again. Ah, it's prayer time. You need to be so much in love with God that your heart is always saying, when can I go and worship in your presence? In a way that sometimes you even separate yourself from other people, from things, just to spend time with him. And by the way, do you know that if you've got a friend and a friend is always busy with other friends and this friend doesn't spend time with you, you will wonder what kind of a friend this one is. You want a friend who always longs for you, who always wants to spend time with you. Amen? So just read this one. Read Psalms 27, verse 8. Amplified classic, and then we're going to go back to Psalms 27, verse 4. Start with verse 20, 27, verse 8. Because I want to show you something here. As much as we are saying seek God, God is also seeking us to come to him. You remember in the Garden of Eden when God said, Adam, where are you? He says, I want to fellowship with you. I need you. So you need also to say, I want to fellowship with you. I need you. That's where Psalms 27, the very same Psalm 27, when you go down, you will hear it saying, deep calls to deep. In other words, as I'm longing for you, you are longing for me. And we spend time together. So read Psalms 27, verse 8, Amplified Classic. You have said, seek my face, inquire for and require my presence as your vital need. So the Lord said, seek my face, inquire and require my presence as your vital need. In other words, hunger for God as if you are hungry for food. Mm -hmm. My heart says to you. Okay, so God says this to my heart. God says this to me. Inquire me, seek for me, hunger for me. And my heart says, your face, your presence, Lord, will I seek, inquire for, and require of necessity and on the authority of your word. Amen. Do you get that? As much as the Lord says, seek me, my heart responds and say, Lord, I need you. Can we all say, Lord, I need you. More of you in my life. Amen. 
I need more of him. Amen. I want more of God in my life. I know God is not limited. The limitations are on my side. And verse 4 of Psalms 27, AMPC, it says, One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek. So I like this, this word, seek, 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 seek. You know, Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, It's impossible to please God without faith. Those who believe in, who come to him must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Those who are hungry for him. Those who are not satisfied with their status quo. Even in our relationship and our work with God. You know why some of you are bored of being Christians? It's because you're not seeking more of him. As you hunger, you see the good thing with God is that the more hungry you are for him, the more he fills you, the more hungry you become. Because you're keeping on wanting more, 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 more of you, Lord. Amen. And then, so the other thing that I want to do with you, Besides the sanctifying ourselves and separating ourselves, it will also take you an effort. Like anything good that one wants to achieve, you've got to be disciplined. You've got to be committed for it. So go with me to the book of Exodus 33, verse 7. We will do Amplified Classic and we'll do Good News Translation. And I want to show you something. Because even Moses, when he would seek the presence of God, he knew that God is everywhere at any time. But he wanted that manifested presence of God, the Shekinah glory. The presence of God in such a way that, you remember when the Bible would talk about people like Peter when he would be walking, and then his shadow, or yeah, his shadow would touch people and people get healed. That's the kind of presence that we are looking for. You remember when Jesus was in the mountain with the disciples, and then he started, his face started shining? And Peter said, it's nice to be here. Let us make three tabernacles. That is the kind of presence that I want. I want so much of the presence of God in my life that if any sickness, if cancer cells try to touch my body, let them die in the name of Jesus. Amen? Because I just want more of him. May the presence of God be so much manifested in my life that the enemy cannot stand. You remember the Ark of the Covenant. The children of Israel used to have what we call the Ark of the Covenant. And that's, that used to represent the presence of God. So one time when the Philistines had defeated them, they took the Ark and placed it before their God, Dagon. And they said, we are celebrating because Dagon has given us victory. You know what happened to Dagon? When they put the presence of God beyond, before Dagon, what happened to Dagon? The next day, Dagon had fallen to the ground. And they put Dagon up again. The following day, the Bible says Dagon had fallen to the ground and he was broken to pieces. Amen? What does that say to you and I? Sometimes we just need so much of the presence of God that we don't have to worry about those who hate us. We don't have to worry about our enemies. You know there are times when I say I have a problem with a Christian who fears to be bewitched. Because it's as if you are saying those ones have got more power than you. So if you are a Christian, you say, hey, I don't trust them. Hey, those ones, they bewitch. I, and you start hating them. It means you are afraid of them. So it means you do you not have the presence. You need to have so much of the presence of God that those who want to come against you will come and confess. They will come against you one way, but they will go away in seven ways. 
because of the presence of God in your life. Let it be that they even confess and tell you, hey, it seems your house is always surrounded with fire. Because of the presence of God. Amen? Look at this. Exodus 33 verse 7. We can do Amplified Classic and then Good News. Now, Moses used to take his own tent and pitch it outside the camp. Far off from the camp. Okay. So tell your neighbor, there are times when you need to take your tent and pitch it far off from the madding crowd. Amen. It's always easy to be with everybody else. But there are times sometimes when you need to take your tent and say, I just want to spend time with God. I just want to spend time in the presence of God. And I've got to move away from the meeting crowd. Continue. And he called it the tent of meeting. Yes. Of God with his own people. So the tent of meeting which is the tent of God meeting with his people. So they used to have the tent, but you would call that the tent of meeting, saying, this is where I meet with God. This is where God meets with me. Other versions, they call it the tent of presence. Yeah, actually read it in the good news. Whenever the people of Israel set up camp, Moses would take the sacred tent and put it up some distance outside the camp. So he would take it some distance outside the camp. For me, that's again sanctification. That's saying, I cannot be like the world all the time if I want the presence of God in my life. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. I've got to pitch off from the camp. Mm. Amen. Amen. Mm. Say some distance outside the camp. Mm -hmm. It was called the tent of the Lord's presence. Why? And anyone who wanted to consult the Lord will go out to it. Hey. Mm. Do you Beautiful. want time with God? Do you want an encounter with God? Do you want his presence? You need to sometimes pitch your tent outside the camp, far away from the disturbances of other people. Because sometimes we are so busy with our agendas and our programs that we don't have time to pitch our tent. Then you won't experience that presence. So I said to you, we want to also call this tent, when we are still in this tent, before we build, may this tent be the tent of God's presence. That if you can experience the presence of God in your home, at least when you come here, feel the difference. Let it be that you come in through the door before we even pray for you. May the Lord touch you and you experience the peace of God. May you get healed just as we worship and praise God. Amen. Because that's the tent of the Lord's presence. Amen. So that's why I'm saying for me, my heart is very much desirous of this. Because I just want to be in his presence. Because when I'm in his presence, everything will be sorted. Amen. When I'm in his presence, everything will be sorted. So can I just read this? Uh, let's just read these uh, two other scriptures for you. And then I'll go back to what I was saying. Read Zechariah 2 verse 5 in the New King James Version. Because I want to show you that when God is in our midst, he is also our protector. He is the wall of fire around us. 
So the things that I was telling you about, when I'm talking about the presence of God, instead of me keeping on asking, Lord, protect me, I can do that. But just me being in his presence, no enemy can defeat me. Any weapon that's fashioned against me shall not prosper. Amen. So just read that Zechariah 2.5, New King James Version. For I, says the Lord, will be a wall of fire all around her. Amen. And I will be the glory in her midst. Tell your neighbor, the Lord says, he will be a wall of fire all around me. And he is the glory in my midst. Amen. Do you know that's another way to get protected? Just be with God. Isn't it that some of you, <laughs> I want to give you this simple example. If, let's say you are afraid and, and, and you know that there are people who will hurt you and all that. And now they give you a soldier with guns to go with you. Then you feel better, isn't it? That this one will sort, will sort them out for me. Isn't it? You know, people will talk about escorts. Huh? So now imagine your escort is God Himself. Tell your neighbor, imagine your escort is God Himself. Hey. What enemy can successfully defeat me when I'm with God? Amen. Because he goes with me. He is my shield and my rear guard. Amen. And anything of the enemy cannot defeat me. With God, I cannot be defeated. That's why I'm saying this thing of the presence, for me, it's very important because if I'm in his presence, the rest will be sorted. I don't have to be much concerned about many things. But also when I'm in his presence, I will be so much in tune with him to know that he is actually dwelling in me. When I come to you and you have a need, I want you to look at me as an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. When people are desperate and they don't have answers, may they come to you as a child of God. May they ask you, how are you making it? Because you are in the same world with us, but you look different. Even when challenges are there with you, we always find you still smiling. You are able to keep your joy. Why? The Jesus factor is the difference. Go with me to the book of John chapter 14. Verse 20 to 23, Amplified Classic. I want to show you this so that you can see that God actually dwells in us. So instead of, <coughs> I want you to look at it in two ways. So the children of Israel, they never had an opportunity of God dwelling. Amen. They would only have an encounter with God by going to the meeting of tent or to go to a particular place and all that. But as a child of God, you don't have to wait for Sunday to experience God. Tell your neighbor, as a child of God, you don't have to wait for Sunday to experience God. Because God dwells in you. And how many of you, have you ever had this thing where, let's say, child of God, I know that sometimes your body doesn't feel like praying, your body doesn't feel like studying the word. But after you've studied the word or after you have prayed, the kind of peace that you feel. 
Even if you've got to do other things, your heart says, I've done well. Amen. So look that John chapter 14, verse 20 to 23, Amplified Classic. <clears throat> At that time, when that day comes, you will know for yourselves that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Yes. The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. Okay. So if you say you love God, what is the barometer to measure? You keep his commandments. Continue. <clears throat> and whoever really loves me will be loved by my father. Mm. And I too will love him and will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. This is the part I'm looking for. I know that God <coughs> is everywhere at any time, <coughs> but I want him to reveal, to show, to manifest myself to me. Can you say, Lord, I want you to show, reveal, and manifest yourself to me. Amen. It's not enough for me just to hear about you. It's not enough for me to just hear that God did this and this, and we always read testimonies of what God has done in the Bible. I want to experience you. I want to have my own personal testimony with you, with my personal walk with you. And continue. I will let myself be daily seen by him mm. and make myself real to him. God wants to make himself real to me. So I want to do this. Because when I was meditating about this, this really blessed me and stirred me. Do you know that there are some times when we feel like God is not real? You try, it's like he's an imaginary figure. Think, what, how, how is God really? Who, who is God? How, how is? So he says, I will make myself clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. That is what I want. I want to experience God as real as I experience a personal friend. Just like when the Bible says Enoch walked with God. Just like when God would go to the Garden of Eden, he says, Adam, where are you? I'm looking to fellowship with you. I don't want him to just be an imaginary figure. That's why people of the world sometimes, they call him the man upstairs. You can see that that's imaginary things. They don't know him. Amen? I want to be so much in tune with him that I know him. I also know that if I do this, I'm hurting him. If I do this... <clears throat> I'm grieving the Holy Spirit. Amen. So that is what we talk about, him making himself real to you. That even when I pray, I know that he hears me. It's not just an imagination. The other time I told you, people will encourage you about positive thinking. They will encourage you, you've got to remain positive, and they tell you some psychology. There's some good with psychology, with positive thinking, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God making himself real to me. The other time I gave some of you a testimony, something that I'll never forget, that last year's experience when, well, I mean, this thing of sometimes trying to fix things when you are not skilled to fix. 
So we're trying to do that, and that heavy door, that, that door should be very, 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 very heavy. These heavy garage doors, which are plank, those heavy ones. Actually, it's not double garage. That's almost like three going sideways. It's very heavy. Then we're trying to work with it, work with it. And then my head was at a place where trying to pull something, okay? And in a flash, that door got loose and it went like just once. In other words, there is no chance for you to do anything. And then, like I said, I was with Blessing and Mr. Norky. <clears throat> so both of them, they were just I'm fine, I'm fine. Because what happened is that when the door went like that, I was just taken like this, like flapped, like what we see in movies. So it's like flapped like this because in your own speed, you cannot move. Amen? Because the moment you see it moving, it's already reached you. Okay? So when I was taking like this, then I just fell back like this on blessing and blessing did I find, did I find? And Mr. Norik was also saying, I find, I find. I said, the door didn't touch me. Amen. That is the kind of the, the, the presence of God that I need. Tam, times when sometimes people will say, but in the natural, we can't see how you survived that one. But then you are able to say, the angel of the Lord protected me. You remember when they asked Daniel, Daniel, what happened? when he was thrown in the, in the lion's den. He said, the Lord sent his angel and he shut the mouth of lions. If God can shut the mouth of lions, he can shut any mouth that is coming to devour me. Amen. So that's why he says, I will make myself real to you. In a way that when people, other people still just have an imaginary figure about him. I know him. He's real to me. Read verse 23, Mr. Jesus answered, If a person really loves me, he will keep my word, obey my teaching. And my father will love him and will come to him and make our home, abode, special dwelling place with him. Okay. <laughs> Tell your neighbor you are sitting next to to the house of God. Because he says, if you love me, if you are my child indeed, I will come to you. And me and the Father, we are going to make our home, our abode, our special dwelling with you. God wants to stay with us. He wants to spend time with us. He wants us to spend time with him. Now, if I am with God, that's why I'm saying I want to be so much enclosed with the God that I can know that he has formed a hedge around me. He said, I will be a wall of fire around you. That's what we read, isn't it? I will be a wall of fire around you. That's what I want. I want to be so much moving with God. So do you see now that if you can just be in the presence of God, a lot of things will be sorted. Instead of us chasing after things, let's chase him. Let's desire him. Desire and a hunger more for him, all the other things will be added unto me. 
That's why the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. Our problem is that for many times we are seeking after things instead of seeking him. With me, the Corinthians chapter Seems the mic is starting to, I'm not sure if it's battery. Second Corinthians chapter 6, 16 to 18, Amplified Classic. Second Corinthians chapter 6, 16 to 18, Mr. MJ. What agreement can there be between a temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Even as God said, I will dwell in and walk with and among them, and will walk in and with and among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So this first part, why I like, is God says, I'm not only the temple of the living God. God dwells in me, that's the temple part, but he also walk with me, he walk among us, he manifests himself wherever we go. So I need to walk like an ambassador here on the earth. When I go to places, may it be that when I go to a place, God has gone there. Because God dwells in me. And God goes with me wherever I go. So that's why even when we say those who are sick, come to the fore, we want to pray for you. It's not me who is healing you. The God in me, the God with whom I walk, he's healing you. You remember one time when uh, Paul was in the sea and they had a shipwreck and then he said, we will not lose, no life will be lost. He said, last night, the God whose I am and the God whom I serve has appeared to me. It's good to have the God whom you serve and the God whose you are. That I belong to God. Amen. And he says, he will not only be in me, he will also be with me. He will not only be with us, he will also be among us. That is the part I was telling you that let it be that sometimes people just come to a place and they just start experiencing the difference. That's why I want that in our services, there should be times when people come here and then as we are worshiping, people just start repenting. Because then the Lord himself is touching you. Because he's walking among us. He's doing his work among us. You come here heavy loaded, heavy laden, and frustrated with your problems. But when you live here, you just feel it's different now. Pastor, you didn't even pray for us. How is it that I'm just feeling different now? Because I've been in the presence of God. Amen? Let's experience God in his fullness. So verse eight, 17 and 18, Mr. MJ. So come out from among unbelievers and separate, sever yourselves from so, them. So that part about treasuring what you have and separating yourself and saying, I can't afford to live like people of the world if I'm expecting God to manifest himself fully with me. You know, with the children of Israel, this is what used to happen. Actually, we'll see in, in, in Exodus 33. They always wanted to say, God, come, we want you. Come to our presence. Come, we want to be with you. And he said, you are a stiff-naked people. You are so sinful that if I come among you, you will be destroyed. 
because of my presence. I can only just send an angel to go with you. Unless if you have sanctified yourself and prepared yourself to meet me. You remember the story I gave you about the high priest when they would go to minister in the holy, most holy place? If you go there and they would die in the presence of God. So they needed to have sanctified themselves and say, if I'm coming to God, I'm coming to a holy God who cannot equate with sin. That's why even when Jesus was on the cross, when he was carrying your sin and my sin, you remember the words he said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus speaking that. Why was Jesus forsaken? Because he was carrying my sin and your sin. And God cannot fellowship with sin. So that's why this thing of coming out, sanctifying yourself is very important. Continue. And touch not any unclean thing, then I will receive you kindly and treat you with favor. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Hey, can you tell your neighbor, I'm a child of God. Hey, that's a, that's a prestigious title, man. Sometimes we don't see it enough. You don't, we don't talk it enough. Just to be a child of God. That's what the Pharisees wanted to stone Jesus for. You being a mere man, you equate yourself with God. You think you can be like God. Jesus said, your scripture says we are gods. Because I'm created in the nature of God. If now God dwells in me, if God wants to do anything on the earth, he's got to use me. Amen? Because I'm his vessel. If God wants to bless somebody, he's got to use me because I'm his vessel. If God wants to do something in the church, he's got to use you because you are his vessel. Amen. He is working with us. He is in us. And I want our bodies not only to like experience the presence of God and that, but I also want this year for all of us that you will commit yourself to prayer. Because the more time you spend in the presence of God, the more you rub off with God, the more you become God-like. As you're going to the book of Matthew, chapter 21, verse 13, I want to give you this example, which I told some of you before. <clears throat> and I will repeat it because I like this example. How many of you know a magnet? Magnet. As children, especially speakers, I think the speakers also have magnets, isn't it? Yeah, as children, we, we were not looking for the speaker for sound, but you look for the magnet. Because the magnet is almost like amazing. A magnet, if we used to enjoy just taking a piece of magnet, then you keep on picking coins, you pick some steel, you pick this, this. That's amazing. Because a magnet has got magnetic character in it. Now, what used to be even more amazing was that if you take a piece of steel and rub it against the magnet, what becomes of that piece of steel? It also becomes magnetic. So imagine I keep on rubbing myself with God. Amen. When I go out there, I become God-like. But then, what used to happen with that piece of steel? If you rub it with magnet, it becomes magnetic, isn't it? And it would do what the magnet does. 
So that's why the Bible says, anyone who believes in me, the works that I do shall he do also. Even greater works than this shall you do because I go to the Father. So when I rub myself in the presence of God, when I move from there, the glory of God will continue to flow through me because I've got his nature. But take that piece of steel. If you keep it away from the magnet for a bit of time, what becomes of that piece of steel? <laughs> it loses the magnetism and it becomes ordinary again. And that's what happened. If you spend more time away from the presence of God, you will become like Samson. You know what happened with Samson? Okay. This is what Samson said. When Sam Samson's power, you remember it was in his hair. He was said he should be a Nazarite from his birth and he should not be shaved. And then when his wife was keeping on saying, but tell me the source of your power. And at first he said, if you do this, if you tie me, if you do this, and then every time he would just break those pieces with supernatural power. Because even when they have chained him, he would break chains. The Bible says he would break chains like you break, if you take a, a thread and put it next to the fire, it becomes very weak. So he say it, the Bible says he would break chains like a man breaks a thread that was exposed to the fire. That's how simple it was for him to break the chains. Now one time after this wife was keeping on bothering him, he said, my strength, the strength, the, 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 the secret of my strength is in my head. I've been another line from birth. And he said, if my hair can be shaved, I will become ordinary like anyone else. And indeed, after he was shaved, he became ordinary like anyone else. So when they said the Philistines are upon you, so now he tried, thinking that things will work like before. He was now ordinary like anybody else. That's what happens if we lose the presence of God in our lives. Because if you say, I've been in the presence of God and I can see God doing this, God doing this. Don't keep on going back there. Keep on drawing. Keep on drawing again from him. Keep on drawing again from him. You don't say because I've drawn, away from, I've drawn something from him last week, then is it. You've got to keep on drawing from him. So Matthew 21, 13, Amplified Classic, Mr. MJ. He said to them, the scripture says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. That's the part I want. He says to them, the scripture says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. So God was talking about a physical house, like a temple or a house of God. Like here we can call this the house of God. But we have read that we are also houses of God, isn't it? Because God dwells in me. So if God says, my house shall be called the house of prayer, what hinders me from saying, my body is the house of prayer? Can we say, my body is the house of prayer? And when I pray, I'm not going to pray like people of the world. I'm not going to pray like people who do religion, who... Just do ritual things. I'm going to pray like somebody fellowshipping with God who is real to me. Because he said he will make himself real to me. He will show me. So, let me, yeah, let's begin a bit of descent. We're not landing yet. 
But I just want you to take you to this part because we're going to spend some time in praising and worshiping him. And what we are going to do here, I also want you to do in your homes. And even as we are going to praise and worship, if there's anything that you are needing from God, even without you asking, believe that as you are in his presence, he will be sorting it out for you. Just with his presence. So go with me to the book of Hebrews 8 verse 5. Why I like this Hebrews 8 verse 5, Mr. MJ, we talked about this several times in NLT, is because in worshiping God, there is a pattern that we need to follow. And let's do it God's way. And I want us to learn this even for our own individual lives. We don't usually teach you this. We just tell you, go and pray. Go and worship God even in your homes. Sometimes you don't even know. And that's why you would find even worshiping or spending time with God for 10 minutes is like it's a lot of time because you don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. So may God teach us how to spend time in his presence. May God teach us how to usher in his presence. May we never be bored by God's presence. Amen. The other time I was sharing with you where the Bible talks about surely the sovereign Lord will do nothing on earth except first revealing his plans to his servants, the prophets. So as I'm spending time with my friends, those of you who have friends, when you spend time with your friends, sometimes they share things, isn't it? Yeah, sometimes they will say, I'm only sharing this with you because you are my best friend. This is not for everybody. So now imagine God being my friend. You remember the one time when he wanted to go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? He says, shall I hide, shall we hide from Abraham what we are about to do? We can't hide from him because he's our friend. So can it also be that when God wants to do something, can he keep on revealing to you, even in your own house? Okay? Sometimes, do you know that often we are caught by surprise? Something, something happens and you say, ah, and actually I wasn't praying for that person. You hear somebody has passed away? Maybe a close relative of yours. Ish. And I didn't pray for him. I should have prayed. I'm very much sorry. But can it be that we are so much attuned with God that I would always be sensitive in my spirit? Sometimes you wake up 12 o'clock midnight. You just feel a burden to pray. And those of you who are baptized with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you start praying. Only to find that you were actually praying and settling things that are happening. Some of you, your relatives are far from here, isn't it? Some Eastern Cape, some North uh, Limpopo, other places, Mpumalanga. You don't even know what's happening with them as we speak. But if you are so much of a prayer person, when you have that burden to pray, pray. And the Holy Spirit will help you to touch those specific things that those people need. And you will never be taken by surprise. Because you are so much walking with God that God reveals things to you. Amen. So read it, Mr. MJ, Hebrews 8, 5, and then we'll go to Exodus and Hebrews 9. They serve in a system of worship that is only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. Okay, so tell your neighbor, the real worship is the one in heaven, and we've got to copy that. So read further. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him this warning. 
Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I've shown you here on the mountain. This is very serious. So Moses was going to build a tabernacle. A tabernacle, so the Israelites, I told you about, think actually this is very typical of how the tabernacle was. So you would have the outer court. You have the fence-like thing. And then you would have a gate. They would go in through the gate. When you come through the gate, then there would be the altar, there would be the, la the, the brazen uh, laver la la where they would wash their hands, the altar where they would burn the sacrifices so that their sins may be forgiven, and then they would get into the holy place. It's like now when you come into the tent. And then the tent was divided into two. Then there would be the holy place and the most holy place. So the most holy place, only the high priest would go in there once. So, but why was it that, that he had to follow a pattern? Go with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 40, verse 21 to 38. I think I'll read this one because I want to pick some verses. And Mr. MJ, you will do Hebrews 9, 1 to 8 in the NIV. And the reason why I'm sharing with you this is that if we want to fellowship and worship God in a way that his presence, we will experience his presence. We've got to do it following his pattern. There are times sometimes where even our services, we, we tailor make our services to fit people and not to fit him. Amen? So if we are expecting God to manifest himself, let's do things according to his pattern. Not according to our own formula and how we want things done. Even when you go to pray, even when you go to spend time with God, follow God's pattern. Okay, so he Exodus 40, 21 to 38, Amplified Classic. It says, Moses brought the ark into the tabernacle. So you know the ark, I said it used to represent the presence of God. And set up the veil of the screen and screened the ark of the testimony as the Lord had commanded him. So there would be a veil. That is the veil that was torn when Jesus died. So there was a veil that would divide the holy place from the most holy place. Verse 22. Moses put the, the table of showbread in the tent of meeting on the northern side of the tabernacle outside the veil. Verse 23. He set the bread of presence in order. You see, you remember when we were talking about Ruth and Naomi? Those of you who were here three weeks ago, we talked about the presence of God. Bethlehem means the house of bread. And the Bible says there was famine at that time. But when people saw that there was famine in the house of bread, they started moving away to the world to look for solutions. So when Naomi and her husband went to Moab, they were doing like any of you do. Sometimes when you are in the presence of God and you are in church and you've got a problem that you think is not getting solved, you start seeking for worldly solutions. You know what happened to Naomi, ultimately? She went to Moab and she lost everything she had. And when she was coming back, the Bible says, and she heard that God had visited, that's, that's Ruth chapter 1. She heard that God had visited his people by giving them bread in Bethlehem, and she was going back. When she was going back, now she was saying, when people were happy for her, Naomi is back, Naomi is back. She says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, call me bitterness. The life has been bitter for me. But she had moved away thinking that things will get better. So tell your neighbor, never move away from God. 
the world does not have a solution for you. Amen. So now, this is the, the bread again represents the presence of God. He says, verse 23, he set the bread of the presence in order on it before the Lord as the Lord had commanded him. And he put the lampstand in the tent of meetings. Now, let's go to verse, I will go to verse 26. Mr. MJ, the reason why I'm excited about this year and the prayer and all that, we are going to pray a lot this year and we're going to experience God. Amen. Listen to this. Verse 26. He put the golden altar of incense. So there was the first altar. The first altar was called the brazen altar or the altar that was made of copper. That was put outside the, 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 the holy place and the most holy place. It used to be out there. And when people come in, they would uh, wash in the laver and they would burn offerings to say, Lord, forgive us. Even when you go to your prayer, start there. Amen. When you are approaching the presence of God, you start there and start saying, Father, forgive me, where you know you've done something wrong, because I won't be able to get into the, the most holy place with the guilt conscience, with the sin conscience. I need to go to that labor and wash myself. So listen. Verse 25. He put the golden altar of incense in the tent of meeting before the veil. He burned sweet incense symbol of prayer upon it. So, the Bible says, the golden altar of incense, what does incense represent for us? It's a symbol of prayer. So for us, we no longer burn incense. If you find a Christian trying to burn things and they say they are worshiping God, tell them, we don't do that, it that way anymore. Okay? It says here, they would burn those incense, but for us, it's a symbol of prayer. So when I'm praying, I'm offering to God a sweet-smelling aroma unto him. When I go before his throne and say, Lord, you are holy, Lord, you are worthy, the fruit of my lips is like I'm burning incense to him. And I do it like a priest. Verse 20. 8, 29 talks about that altar of burnt offering. That's the one that used to be at the outside. It says, Moses put the altar of burnt offerings at the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. That's the one outside. It's not the one inside, the golden altar of incense. Verse 30. And Moses set the laver. You remember I told you about the laver. Between the tent of meetings and the altar and put water in it for washing. So this is the format that we need to follow. When you come to the presence of God, we enter his gates. Okay? And when you come in, there is a place to wash. Okay? There's a place to offer sacrifices for our sins. So that when you approach his throne, there is no guilt feeling with you. You know when you're going to worship and now you are busy in worship and now the devil is reminding you of the things that you've done. Now you stop. Isn't it? Had you started the right way, and say, as I approach God, I need to make sure that there is nothing that will hinder me to minister to God. Because I'm going to minister to him. I'm a priest. So it says, okay, then verse 33. And he erected the cord round about the tabernacle and the altar and set up the hanging of screen at the outer gate. So Moses finished the work. Now verse 34. 
Then the cloud. Okay, maybe Mr. MJ, read this one. Because I want you people to look at what I was talking about. I told you that God is everywhere at any time. But I'm talking about God's presence, manifested presence in one place. In a particular place. What we call the Shekinah glory. So read that verse 34. Do you have it? Then, then the cloud, the Shekinah, God's visible presence. Did you see that? The cloud, the Shekinah, God's visible presence. We are not talking about the omnipresence of God, that God is everywhere. Then the cloud, the Shekinah, God's visible presence, covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In other words, God is manifesting himself in all his fullness. 35, and Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud remained upon it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. That's why I'm saying we should desire so much of the presence of God that we can experience more of him. You know, it's good to, to know God that is everywhere and is with me all the time. But sometimes it's also good to experience his manifested presence. Amen where you feel surely the presence of God is in this place. I experience him. Okay? Then verse 36. In all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the Israelites went onward. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not journey till the day it was taken up. So the children of Israel, they would only move as the glory moves with them. Hebrews 9, 1 to 8. I need to start winding down. Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also the earthly sanctuary. That's Hebrews 9, 1 to 8, NIV. Why I want you to look at this because Jesus now is, the author of Hebrews is showing us how that picture I just gave you now about the tabernacle. How we can learn something from that and we follow the pattern. Hebrews 9, 1 to 8. Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up in its first room, there was a lampstand and the table with its consecrated bread. You remember that was in, we read it in Exodus now. And this was called the holy place. That's the first place. And behind the curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense. We said the golden altar of incense is for prayer. Amen. And we're going to burn a sweet-smelling aroma unto the Lord. We are going to spend time in his presence. In a way that we say, Lord, we spend so much time in your presence that he manifests himself among us. I told you, some of you, even before we pray for you, if you came here sick, if you came here feeling down, after we worship, you will be surprised at how free you are now. Because you've been in the presence of God. Because the presence of God, his manifested presence, would set us free. Amen? And those of you who need healing, just being in the presence of God. Even as I'm ministering like this, some of you are already starting to feel healed. Amen? That's what the presence of God does. Just being in his presence. And then let everything as we are in his presence, he just keep on showing us himself. He keep on revealing himself. 
So this is what we are going to do. We are going to spend some time in praise and in worship. And I want you to use this opportunity also to be learning for yourself. I'm going to read some few verses here to guide us how we do it. So you learn it here, you do it here, and you see how God manifests himself, but also in your own life. Like I said, we don't have to wait to go to the tent of meeting like the Israelites did. Because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. God is always there with us. So the way that you can experience God in this place, you can also have the same thing in your home. Amen? Have a place where, you know, I just want to have time aside from the others. Just go there. Go to your closet. Jesus called it the closet. And he said, close your room. Close your door. And go to your closet. And spend time with your father there. Away from the camp. Because there are many things that will disturb us. That's why even when you pray, we advise that you close your eyes. It's not necessarily to say that God won't hear you if you are not closing your eyes. But imagine I'm praying with my eyes open. And now I see some people passing there. And the, the other one maybe thinks he's seeing us and this. I will be distracted. Isn't it? But when I close my eyes, it's almost like I'm closing the door. I'm in my closet. Amen. Because there are some people when we say, let's go and pray, they are watching others. This is the time for you to take your own tent and speak with your God. The good thing with our tent here, we've got a bit of space. Those of you who feel a bit uncomfortable to be next to somebody, you get your spot and you go there. The other time I was thinking, actually the time when we start doing prayers, we've got a yard here and we are enclosed in the yard. Sometimes you can have time and go to your spot there. Go to your spot there. And we pray. Amen. Now listen to this. I'm taking this thing of the tabernacle, why Jesus, why Moses was told, follow the pattern. I want us also to follow the pattern. Now Psalms 100 verse 1 to 5, NIV. Mr. MJ, Psalms 100, verse 1 to verse 5, NIV. Shout for, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with deadness. Come before him with joyful songs. Okay, so it means we need to worship the Lord with gladness. We can come before him with joyful songs. You can worship in songs, rejoice before him. Continue. Know that the Lord is God. Mm. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Okay, now, I want you to read from verse 4 with the understanding of the tabernacle. You will see this is what the psalmist was saying. Start. Enter his gate with thanksgiving. Okay, so they used to have a gate. Okay? To that place. So enter his gate with thanksgiving. Mm. Mm -hmm. And his courts with praise. Okay, so after you enter through the gate, there used to be what we call the outer court. Okay? You enter his gates with thanksgiving. You enter his courts with praise. Before you get to the place of worship. Continue. <clears throat> Give thanks to him and praise his name. So there is the 
thanksgiving and there is praise. You get those two things. And there is worship. You get the three? In that portion of scripture? Because verse 2 starts by saying, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful song. So you come before the Lord when you go to the most holy place. Enter the gates with thanksgiving. As you enter the gates with thanksgiving, I told you there used to be the laver there where you also make sure that you are cleansed. The altar of burnt offerings where you make sure that your sins uh, you have confessed and you are ready to minister to God. Okay, go to, <clears throat> let's go to First Peter. I'm just giving you this one and we're going to pray. These few scriptures we are going to pray. We are going to spend time in the presence of God. I know when we come to this, some of you think the church is over now, I can go home. But this is even another important part. You see, we don't only come to church to hear the word. We also come to church to worship him. Actually, the main thing is we are coming here to minister to God. So when we say it's time for praise and worship, it's not just another time to, to, to push us to the time of hearing the word. I told you, our services are sometimes tailor-made for people and not necessarily for God. So if I'm here just to satisfy myself with the fact that I've heard the word, but I didn't have enough time to minister to him. So when we give you time, and the good thing is I'm going to give you time during the church time, service time. So there's not much sacrifice you're making. And some weeks will make you at least to make some sacrifice. We'll do it after church. And then we can pray. Amen. So listen to this. First Peter 2, 5, Good News Translation. It says, Come as living stones and let yourselves be used in building the spiritual temple. We said our bodies are the temple of God, isn't it? Where you will serve God as holy priests to offer spiritual and acceptable sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. We are priests. And we are going to offer spiritual and acceptable sacrifices to God through Christ. We are going to make use of this altar of incense. Amen. Are we going to worship? Are we going to offer sacrifices of praise unto him? Because go to First Peter, Mr. MJ, First Peter 2, 9 and 10, Good News Translation. First Peter 2, 9 and 10. Because verse 5 says, we offer, as holy priests, we offer spiritual and acceptable sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. So it means, as I'm going to pray, as I'm going to worship, I want, I want us that as we are going to spend time in the presence of God now. I know you've got many needs, but I want to encourage you not to be asking for things. I want to encourage you just to be going to God and say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the days of my life. I thank you that I'm still alive today. There are many people who have departed. I thank you, even just for being in church today. Thank you for the word that we've heard. Thank you for keeping on molding us. Thank you for stirring that hunger in me to love you more and more. Thank you for revealing yourself and making yourself more real to me. Thank you even for protecting my beloved ones, my family, my friends, all the people that are close to me, thank you for protecting them. Thank you for covering them. Amen? 
You see, you've got a lot to say. And then after that, you start praising him. You praise him. I praise you, Lord, that you are the mighty God. I praise you, O God, that beside you there is no other God. And you are powerful. You are the mighty warrior. And you start thinking about how God delivered you. Amen. The children of Israel, when they were faced with the Red Sea, and they didn't know what to do, God made a way where there seemed to be no way. And they passed through the Red Sea as a dry ground. And when the Egyptians came, they were drowned. And God fought for his people. And it's the same God who fights for you. So when you are going to praise him, say, Father, I thank you that you fight for me. I praise you that no weapon that is fashioned against me shall prosper. Any tongue that raised up against me in judgment will be condemned. You start speaking those things. You say, Father, I thank you. I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I say of the Lord is my refuge, my God in whom I trust. That sounds 91. Surely he delivers me from the snare of the foul and from the deadly pestilence. A thousand may fall on my side and ten thousand on the other side. It will not come near me. You keep on saying that as you are praising your God. As you speak that, that's a sweet-smelling aroma unto God. That is the language that God understands. Because you are speaking his word. Rather than complaining and speaking the language of the world. First Peter 2, 9 and 10. GNT. But you are the chosen race, mm. the king's priest, yeah. the holy nation, yeah. God's own people, mm. chosen to proclaim the wonderful acts of God. Okay, we are chosen to what? To proclaim, to proclaim the wonderful acts of God. I want that as we are going to praise and worship him now. Tell him about his wonderful you know that many people usually, they, they know more of what the devil is doing than what God is doing. They will tell you, hey, you know, the devil is at work. The devil is doing this. The devil is doing this. Where is your God? Okay? We need to start counting blessings and naming them one by one. You need to start saying, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He, he, he delivers my life from depression. You start speaking about how good God is. And you say, oh Lord, I thank you for the days of my life. Amen. Do you see that there is so much to tell God? So I want that when we are going to that time, I don't want you to leave and say the church is over. It's time to minister to God. I said our services should minister to God and not only ministering to ourselves and to one another. We need time to minister to him. Okay, so we, I'm going to, re, we're going to do this one. And the worship team, you can come to the fore. Let me give you another example as you're going to the book of Second Chronicles. We're going to read Second Chronicles and that's the one that we're going to use as we are going to pray. We'll pick it up next time. Second Chronicles 5, 13 to 14. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one. So, 
We are going to praise and worship him. Second Chronicles 5, 13 and 14, New King James Version. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one. So it's very important, Miss MJ and your team. Your work is very important because you need to lead us in worship. To make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. Psalms talk about enter his gates with thanksgiving and with his cause with praise. Now here it says to make a sound praising and thanking the Lord. That's what we're going to do. We're going to praise him. We're going to thank him. They lifted up their voice with trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, we are going to praise the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud, so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. We are going to praise him. We are going to worship him. And this is what the 24 elders in heaven do. And the four living creatures, they never cease to give thanks to God. So I want you to, so this is the thing I want you to do. I will read Revelations 4. So this is the thing I want you to do. When you are going to praise now, praise like somebody, if you have a mount, a wall ahead of you mountain, an obstacle, a thing that has been troubling you. I want you to praise like the children of Israel were praising around the walls of Jericho. You remember the Bible says how the children of Israel got the victory in Jericho. They, it was not their might. They did not have to fight. What did they do? They sang praises unto God. Praise to the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. <coughs> and as they were doing that, means <clears throat> time to get a bit of this. Okay, that's sorted. Thank you. I'll get it when I go down. <clears throat> so I was still saying when they were going around the walls of Jericho, and that's what I want you to do. As you are going to pray, you know the challenges that you are facing. But I don't want you to look at your challenges. I want you to put your eyes to God. And as you declare God's goodness, may your troubles, the Bible says mountains melt in the presence of God. May you, your troubles start melting before God. And we are going to worship him. May his glory, may his presence fill us and fill this place. Amen. So as you stand up, I'm going to read, you can stand up, I'm going to read Revelation chapter 4, verse 8 to 11 in the New King James Version. These are some of the words you can use as you are going to worship. So I said as we, <clears throat> the pattern is, we enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, and as you are getting to his courts, there would also be a place where if you need to confess what you didn't do right, do that. So that when you go to minister to him in worship, nothing will be condemning you. Amen. This is what they do in heaven. The Bible says, 
our worship is like a copy of what's happening in heaven. Verse 8, Revelation chapter 4. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they did not cease day and night, saying, this is what they do all the time, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You see that they are not asking for anything. They're just glorifying him in his beautifulness. Verse 9. Whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanksgiving to him who sits on the throne. So they were giving him honor and thanks. Did you see that? To him who sits on the throne. And some of you, for us as Africans, sometimes you know, when you come before the king, you even kneel down. There's nothing wrong with kneeling when you worship and surrender before him. So, they give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever. Now, verse 10. The 24 elders fell down before him. That's the part I'm talking about where you kneel down before him, who sits on the throne and worship him, who lives forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne. That's why I wanted that. We lay our crowns and worship him. So it means when you come to worship him, you cannot keep your crown, you cannot keep your status, you cannot keep your credentials when you are coming to him. You need to lay down your crown and say, you alone are the king. You alone are the king. And I bow before you. I honor you. They were saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist, and they were created. Amen. Do you think that song, you will be able to do it? We can do it. <clears throat> yes. We, we will do it with our voices. Lift up your hands where you can. And when you feel for you, it's time to worship. Get down and worship him. If you feel you need a bit of a spot yourself, separate from others, and you want a particular spot, go there. Do that. Just be free as we go before the presence of God. And what we are doing now here in the house of God, even when you are at home yourself, you need to have time with God like this. Okay? That's how you will experience God in his fullness. Because if I'm experiencing God, I told some of you that the way I get healed, the way I walk in divine health, even keep on saying, I thank you, Father, that the life of Jesus is manifested in my mortal flesh. So if the life of Jesus is flowing in my body, anything of the enemy will be destroyed. Any disease germ that touches this body has got to die because the presence of God is in this body. The life of God is in me. Even as you are going to worship and praise God, think of Hebrews 8, verse, uh, Romans 8, verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And it says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. So the law that brings sickness, the law that brings destruction, I've been set free from that law. Because of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So I'm here to worship him. 
Here I am to worship. Amen. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say. 